Hello, hello, welcome, it's me, Al. I'm checking in on you on my weekend check-in podcast. So, how are you? What have you been up to? What have you been, uh, have you been well? Um, have you been doing any, uh, <laughs> what are you doing this weather? The lights are on, aren't they? The Christmas lights are on. Have you been to see them? That might be fun. Probably not, though, eh? It's just lights, isn't it, after all? It's, uh, <laughs> it's just a bit of electricity. It's uh, it's not that special, yeah. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm actually back after just a week after my um, haphazardness that's been happening the the last month or so. I'm actually back regular as clockwork again. So um, so yeah, well welcome back and all that. And uh, my book, my book. What do you reckon, fellow scousers? Is it book or book? I alternate. A. Hey, get me book. Get me book, will ya? <laughs> yeah. So, well, anyway, the reason I'm saying the word book or book, whichever you prefer, is that my book or book has been released on Wednesday, so it's now available properly. Uh, it was only on pre-order this time last week, but now it's available, so it was properly published. It's out there in the world for real. Annoyingly, if you go to Amazon... Uh, which is one of the places you can get it from. It says temporarily out of stock. Ignore that. It's not. If you if you buy it, it comes. I don't know why it's saying that. Um, there's nothing we can do about it. Apparently, it changes after a short while. But that's just Amazon being stupid. Stupid Amazon. <laughs> so um, yeah, you can get it from there, and obviously you can get it on Kindle as well, and you can get it direct from the publishers. So it's a it's a children's book. It's called The Little Girl who forgot how to dance, and it's ages kind of three to ten, and it's been beautifully illustrated by fellow folk singer Tracy Curtis. Do you know Tracy's music at all? I think you'd like it, you know. Check it out. She's really good. Um, so, uh, And she's a, a wonderful illustrator as well. So the, the, book looks, the book looks absolutely gorgeous, I have to say. So, uh, yeah, the, the way you can actually get this from, you can get it from Amazon in a book form, despite the stupid message on the... On the Amazon website, you can get it on your Kindle. Hey, it's all mod cons now, you know. <laughs> you can get it on your Kindle. Um, where else? You can get it direct from the publisher. And I'm hoping that it's going to be available at News From Nowhere. I did kind of... Um, I've, I've put them and the publishers together. It's nothing to do with me, you see. I don't have direct access to the stuff. But I have put them um, and the publishers together. So hopefully you'll be able to get it soon, if not already. Um, at Liverpool's Radical Independent Bookstore, which would be good as well, and you can you can get my albums in there too. But if you uh, if you want to you know book it, and you're not in the city or, or you just want some convenience or whatever, then you can go to parisongs.co.uk forward slash book, and there you'll find all the details about the book. There's a little review there, which was very very nice, and um, and what else was there? Oh yeah, links to where you get it from. That's help. That'll be helpful, wouldn't it? Links to where you get it from. So uh, yeah, so that's good. I've, I'm really pleased to actually have the book in the world. In the world. Hey, where's me book? It's in the world. I know it's in the world, but where? Ah <laughs> oh, dear. Ah, oh, it's it's funny these podcasts. I never know what I'm going to say. Ah <laughs> oh, dear, keeps me amused anyway. So, um, what else was I going to tell you? What else was I going to tell you? 
Well, I've I bought that. Remember, I said um, still talking to books. I bought that book about singing. So you know, I've had these problems with me me voice, and um, it, it goes back to July. I checked out when I I actually had my first appointment at the hospital. Um, so I I think I was. I think I must have gone to the doctors in in June. They got me in quite quickly in July, and ever since then, it's been really slow. Add the camera down. I think they've misdiagnosed me. Then they got me to wait for four months in order to see someone who admittedly couldn't help me. Not hair fault, but, you know, they should have just taken me to the singer's specialist straight away. So now they've kind of referred me to the singer's specialist, and I'm still waiting. It's been... It's been five months already and I haven't even got an appointment. In fact, I haven't even got a diagnosis because I've spoken to two vocal coaches now and they both say it's not what the hospital said it is. So it looks like I'm going to go back back to scratch, basically. So what I thought I'd do is I thought I'd buy this book about speech level singing. So I've been reading that. It comes with two CDs which are in front of me. I'll clank them together so you can hear them. There you go. Doesn't sound like CDs, does it? Sounds like a sounds like a woodpecker. <laughs> so um, that's arrived, and I've I've ripped the CDs, so I've got the files on my phone, and I can I can listen to them anywhere then. And I've been slowly reading through. It's quite a readable, accessible book actually, and I didn't really know what speech level singing was, but I'm getting a bit of a better idea. So, do you know you've got like your voice box? Um, on a fella, you can you can see them quite pronounced on the front of the throat. Well, you've got muscles around that voice box, which do the job of kind of moving the larynx up and down. So the larynx is the voice box. So it moves the, the larynx up and down. So if you need to chew or swallow or yawn or, you know, take a big um, intake of breath. So the larynx moves about and it has to. But when we just talk, no, like when I'm talking now, my larynx stays stable where it's meant to be. And yet, when a lot of us sing, I think me included, you know, I think I do do this. Um, I get We tense all the muscles around the larynx and start moving the larynx up and down uh, unnecessarily. So it's not about... It's not about sort of singing how we talk, you know. It's not about turning me into Frank Sinatra. <laughs> If I don't go, then I don't go, bop, bop. If I don't go, then I don't go, bop, bop. It's not about doing any of that. <laughs> no, it's a, it's about keeping the larynx in the same posture level, whether I'm singing or whether I'm just talking like I am at the moment. I've not got to any of the exercises yet. I'm just learning all the theory, all the background. But um, hopefully that'll start to help me because I, I did do a little bit of singing the other day. I went to um, friends of mine had an adoption ceremony for their little girl who who uh, is now a forever part of their family, which is lovely. And um, I spoke to uh, Jeremy, and Jeremy was there, who's who's a great lyricist. He's he's one of the uh, socialist singer people and uh, an activist I know, and he's a he's a great lyricist. And he sent me this song. He said, "I've got this song. It's about this true story." Um, from the transport strike where the ship full of bananas couldn't actually get in because of the strike and they ended up having to ditch it overboard and uh, there were all bananas just in the Mersey, like a carpet of bananas um, as they couldn't unload this this stuff, you see. So um, 
he gave he I said, Well send it through to us because he was after a tune. So I um I put a tune together for him, you know, pretty much instantly actually. I hope it's I hope it's original, maybe it's not. Um and so I sang that and then just at the very end, I should have actually repeated the last line to finish. I got this kind of like it wasn't a ripping sensation, but it was like a pain like that. So it wasn't like an ache. It was like a pain that travelled, if that makes sense. It didn't feel like anything ripped, but it just kind of smarted along a distance. And I, I stopped. So I, I need to kind of figure this out, really. Um, and I think I can get through gigs and stuff, but I'm really reluctant to record because I don't want to record a, a, a voice that isn't working. I want to record a voice that is. So hopefully I'll get sorted on that sooner or later. I phoned up. Um, with Ensure Hospital, just to kind of, you know, nudge him along a little bit. And apparently they have got the referral, so at least that communication hasn't broken down. And some guys come in and on Monday to schedule an appointment, so I might even have one pretty soon. Um, I've been doing all sorts of... Um, I had kind of a, a, a big... I think it was Thursday, I had a big revelatory day, and... Um, who were... <clears throat> nearly knocked me glass of water then. That would have been uh, high drama in the middle of the podcast. Hang on, I'm going to take a swig. I've just been running, you see. it's. Um, <clears throat> I got up a little bit late today because um, some of my neighbours had a, a party in their back garden. Um, do you remember when people hired function rooms rather than, rather than creating a nightclub in, in, the, in their back garden to keep the whole bloody neighbourhood awake? And it was nuts, you know, because it, it it carried on till about 20 past three in the morning, um, which I think is taking the mickey a bit, don't you, really? And, I mean, people have done that in the past. They've had something going on in the garden, and it's gone on relatively late. But, you see, I've got double glazing, and I also have a pair of earplugs, which I don't normally wear. But something like that, I'll think, well, you know, one-off event, sod it, I'll just stick my earplugs in. I don't need to moan. But even through the double glazing, this is how loud it was. And even through my earplugs, I could sing along to Sweet Child of Mine. Not that I did sing along, but I heard every word, you know, as clear as day. That's how loud it was at like three in the morning. Bloody ridiculous. So I was up late today. I, I didn't I didn't wake up till about quarter to 11. So my whole day skew with just because they had a party. Fun-loving bastards. <laughs> but it was that kind of... I mean, Sweet Child of Mine, at least I recognised. But the rest of it was... Um, the rest of it was like... You know, that kind of music, if you can call it that. And I, I thought it must have been like kids, but when I went on my run, I can see that there's been a 50th birthday party. That, that's some... Uh, that's some uh, down with the kids, 50-year-olds in that house, I tell you... So all you could hear was this kind of bass line. So um, I've been up very late. I was kind of um, in, in, in by proxy. I was at their party. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm 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 thirsty because I've been running. I've started running again. So I had this revelatory day on Thursday where I did a load of self work on me. Um, some of the remember I said on the last podcast what I'm tolerating, so I've fixed all that. <laughs> I've fixed all that. I've got my magic wand out. <laughs> Actually, I better not say that. You might misconstrue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I've fi- fixed a load of it all. I've put a lot of it in motion. 
And one of those things is I thought, well, I'm going to get back to jogging. I was jogging before me virus. And I thought, well, maybe that's it now. But I thought, no, I've committed to it. And so I've just been on. It's like the end of my first week of training. Um, This is my third and final run. You you run three days a week, you see, on this training. And um, so I'm actually sat here still in my running gear. Um, You know, sat in my own sweat. (laughs) And the reason I'm doing that is deliberate. <clears throat> and it's because if you, if you go onto Amazon Music, um, you can find this thing called Shankly Speaks. And it's an interview with the legendary Liverpool manager, Bill Shankly, who is, of course, as many of you know, my all-time hero. Nobody beats Shankly for me. Um, he never, ever disappoints, does he, Bill Shankly? So uh, I'm a Shankliist. That's my that's my political persuasion. Sod the politicians and everybody else. I'm a Shankliist, um, and uh, one of the things he said is that when Liverpool trained during his time, and also this is during Bob Paisley's time after Shankly had resigned, um, that the Liverpool players would train in like um, woolly jumpers. Now I remember this because when I was a kid. You could just go up to Melwood and watch the players train. I, I, I doubt you can... Well, I'm sure you can't do that now. But I remember a number of times, like, my dad would say, should we go up to Melwood? And we'd just watch the players train. And uh, I remember one particular proud moment that my dad still talks of is uh, the ball came towards us and my dad trapped it expertly and then did, a like, a 30-yard pass to Teddy McDermott. <laughs> Right to his feet, and Terry Max says, "We'll have you playing on Saturday." <laughs> so yeah, you could just turn up and watch the players train. And I remember they used to be running round. I think they were black, um, like knitted sweaters. They were like. And then what Shankly says is, uh, a lot of a lot of teams used to then go and get a bath straight after they'd done their running around, and he'd say, "Then you'd sweat all day." And so what he what he would do is you'd sit and down and. Have a cup of tea, he said. <laughs> and then they'd drive back to Anfield and then they'd have the shower. So he, he was a great proponent of not showering straight away, but but leaving your body to cool down and, and then get your shower. Which is a, a which is why I'm I'm sitting here now uh, and I haven't had my shower yet after my run. But I decided that one of the things that always motivated me to actually keep going rather than just running, but you know, through those moments of doubt and, oh, I can't be bothered with this and it's cold out and I don't want to train, all that sort of stuff, I decided that when I'd always run and stuck with it was if I had some sort of publicly committed target. And the the two times I'm thinking of were, um, first of all, when I did the Shankly run. The Shankly run. (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm, I'm mixing my words up. The Shankly run. There should be a Shankly run, shouldn't it? That'd be good. The Santa Dash I was thinking of. Uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe Shankly. Maybe Shankly's better than Santa Claus. That's my. That's what I think. But we did a Santa Dash. <clears throat> Loads of people in Liverpool. And it's every year. And you, you dress up as Father Christmas and you run round for five, for five kilometres. So I did that. That was my very first 5k run. And I did that for B1%, which is a local charity that I still donate to um, basically any time I get money in. But any time I get money in, I'll give 5% of it um, to B1%. I don't mean 5% of the profits. It's just if ever I get money in, I'll always just go onto their website and give them 5% of it. 
Um, so I don't know if I um, if I do a gig and I get three hundred quid, then I'll I'll go and give um, I'll just log on and give them fifteen quid straight away. Um, so yeah, so that was the first thing. So I'd recommend B One Percent actually. Have a little look at their website. I think it's B One Percent org, but you can Google them. It was set up amongst other people by Paul Weller's drummer, a local lad called Steve Pilgrim who's a local musician, but he drums and, and plays guitar as well now for Paul Weller. He set it up a few years ago, and it's a great idea, really. And they kind of source the, the kind of um, causes that they're going to do each month. So um, you know exactly where it's going to. So I, I did that in the Santa Dash, and then I think it was last year or the year before, I did a 5K run in aid of... Um, it wasn't Liverpool... Friends of Palestine, was it? It was, or maybe it was. It was, I can't remember the name now, but Liverpool um, Palestine advocates have this kind of twinning thing with a town um, there called Bilin, B I L I N. And um, so I fundraised for that. I did a 5K for that. So I thought, this, uh, this is actually a good motivator for me and it benefits other people as well. And once I'm committed to this, then there's there's no way I'm going to get out of it once people have put their money up for such a good cause. So this time, I've decided that on February the 10th, which is actually my birthday weekend, because, of course, my birthday's on the 12th of February. So on the 10th, <clears throat> excuse me, which is on the Saturday, I'm going to do a 5K run, and it's in aid of Asylum Link, Merseyside. Now, Asylum Link does loads of good work with refugees and asylum seekers. And I thought it'd be a good practical way to give the Daily Mail a bit of a bloody nose. Um, because the last thing that they want us to do is to be welcoming to other human beings. and uh, They want us to be unwelcoming to other human beings on the sole basis that they actually weren't born on this island. Which is the most ludicrous idea I can think of. So, like many of you, probably like all of you. Um, you want to give that sort of idea a bit of a bloody nose. Um, and you can do that. You can sponsor me. Um, and every sponsorship that you do will will go to Asylum Link Merseyside. And they're dedicated to helping asylum seekers and refugees here in Liverpool. And they do work as well to raise public awareness around refugee issues. So if you want Rosa to stay as well, here's what you can do. Go to parisongs.co.uk forward slash 5k so that's parrysongs.co.uk forward slash 5k and you'll find all the details about my run for asylum link merseyside so you get a double benefit there you get to help asylum seekers while force me to run down a run round a field that's all right isn't it now i'm trying to raise 200 quid there and i'm already 17 percent of the way there so a big thanks to where uh, first of all neil callan who I know is a regular listener. Hello, Neil. And uh, that's from Neil and all the gang at the Kindfulness Coffee Club. Wonderful venture in Bootle. Um, so, yeah, so that's... Um, I got a donation from them. Also from Mick Goodman. Hello, Mick, if you're listening. Um, who says, hope all goes great for you. And also from Di Carroll. I think it's Di. Might be D. I'm not sure. Di Carroll. Who says, made up to support Alan and Asylum Link and has also put some money in the tin as well. So thanks, thanks for my first three supporters. So that put me up to where uh, that's put me up to £35. 
Um, and I think there's some gift aid on top of that as well, actually, which I'm not counting. So that's £35. So I'm 17% of the way to the target. So if you wanna if you wanna force me to run round a field, get me fit and send a message to the Daily Mail by actually welcoming asylum seekers and refugees, then just go to that. It's parisongs.co.uk forward slash 5k. All the details are there and you can sponsor me. So that's why I've been running today. This is my third run. I might have gone, oh, I don't I can't fancy that, you know. I think I'll stay in bed. I'm tired because the neighbours have been having a nightclub <laughs> in, in their back garden. And... Um, but I didn't because I know now I've got I've raised seventeen percent of the target. I can't let people down, can I? So hopefully I'm going to get all super fit and uh, and raise some money in the process. So you will be one of my refugee heroes if you step up to the plate and and stand in the way of the villain of the Daily Mail and the Daily Express. So um, the re- part of the reason why I, I I kind of ended up deciding to do that is I've been reading a fantastic book. You know I'm I'm doing psychotherapy training and I've gone back to that. And I'm I'm trying to just get my qualification in really. But you know I've got huge issues and doubts and skepticism around um kind of like oh what would I call it? The outlook of the the approach I think of psychotherapy and certainly some of the abuses that have gone on in terms of that field, you know, I've written a song, haven't I, about the the Jackie Lee Schiff case. If you want to know more about that, by the way, just um, let me see if I can find it for you now, um, so you know what I'm. I think it's called a, a very dangerous method. I'm just googling. If you Google a very dangerous method, and the name Alan Jacobs, I think. Let me have a look. A most dangerous method. A most dangerous method, if you Google that, especially if you Google the words Alan Jacobs, you'll kind of, uh, excuse me, you'll get a sense of um, the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Not that that's necessarily typical, but everything's on a gradient, isn't it? And so I've I've always had a, a number of different philosophical difficulties with psychotherapy and the approach of psychotherapy. And I've been reading a lot from these people called the Heart and Soul of Change Project, I think it's called. And there's people like Scott Miller and Barry Duncan that I've been really interested in over the years. And one of them, I think it's Barry Duncan, but it might be the other one. (laughs) I'm getting them mixed up like Ant and Deck. Wrote this book anyway called, um, um, what's it called? What's Right With You? And it's trying to challenge this sense that I have very strongly that Sometimes, well, a lot of the time what we do in psychotherapy is and counselling is focus on the problem and then talk about the problem more and then the, the problem gets deepened and you end up in this sludge. And as you know, I'm a coach as well. And I've noticed that when I bring in um, some of my psychotherapeutic ideas in, a, a, in an attempt to help people understand what's going on for them, rather than opening doors, it actually hits brick walls that people... That it's like the session seems to get a little bit stuck at that point once I kind of explain um, what might be going on according to, for example, the transactional analysis model that I've, I'm being trained in. And um, I've been asking this as well in terms of my own training. You know, I asked this at the last session. You know, 
okay, once once we've actually pointed out what it is that's going wrong, what, what next? You know, what's our model for change? What is our theory for change? And um, I've never really had a clear answer back. One of the answers I get back is the insight and awareness is often enough to kind of... Um, to lead people to change, and that's and that's true in some instances, but I think probably more often than not, it isn't. Um, I can think of lots of stuff that I'm aware of, and actually I brought to to because you, when you're doing your psychotherapy training, you 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 turn up as the client like for like little ten minute sessions, so you're all having a little practice, etc. So I brought something that I I've been aware of for a few years, and I haven't changed it yet. So. Um, yeah, I, I, awareness can sometimes help, but often it can't. And then what? So I found this book, and because I'm interested in these writers anyway, I decided to buy it. I bought it a while ago, maybe about 18 months ago, and dipped into it and didn't finish it. And I made a vow to myself that actually, rather than diving into the transaction analysis stuff, um, I wanted to try and read other stuff that I'm interested in. So I read this book. It's called What's Right With You? Which is interesting, isn't it? Rather than what's wrong with you, what's right with you. And while I was reading this book, I came across this thing called Solutions Focus Therapy. And I've, I've got very excited about this because I think my sense of counselling and therapy is that what we often do is bring a model and marry ourselves to a model. But really, there's about 400 odd different psychotherapeutic models and they all basically are as effective as each other. So to get tied to one model doesn't seem to, to make a huge amount of sense. And my kind of hunch about all this is that your skill as a psychotherapist or your skill as a counsellor isn't so much in terms of your expertise about a particular model, but is your expertise about the process that you bring that helps your client kind of um, see their problem in a way which which suggests solutions, you know, I'm, I'm not explaining this very well, I don't think, but the, the book title says it well, what's right with you? Because we all, we all overcome stuff. I mean, I've written a song called Climb, which is a real testament to the human spirit where whenever the world throws us a, 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 a something horrible and the shit hits the fan, we somehow manage to get through it, don't we? We overcome it. Uh, when faced with a mountain, we climb as the lyric goes. And so, um, yeah, so we obviously have these resources. We obviously have a sense of how to get through things a lot of the time. And my hunch was always that psychotherapy was about creating a good relationship and a good process which would lead people to harness their own resources. And so for the past four years, I've had these kind of discomforts and wrangles and you know, I'm, 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 I'm like a cat getting hugged that doesn't want to be hugged. You know, I'm like <laughs> wriggling away. And um, reading about this solution-focused therapy is really interesting to me because it seems to bring a process and it also moves the conversation very quickly on to looking at what the solution might be rather than getting deeper into the problem and just getting into that swamp of stuckness. And so I've been reading an awful lot about that, but I've also been applying it to my own life. Because one of the ideas within there that I've, I encountered initially within the book, What's Right With You, is the idea of exceptions. And what that means is that when you have a problem, 
you don't have a you don't have that problem at the same level all the time do you you know you you'll have the problem sometimes and will be really overwhelming and then the problem will kind of not be with you in certain moments and it might only be some moments but there's certain moments that the problem's not there or is there to such a so a low level that you're kind of coping with it so what solutions focus therapy does is it provides a process where you're able to look out for those exceptions so for instance i was struggling with the running so i was thinking well i don't always struggle with the running what are the times where i've either not struggled with the running or i've overcome the struggle because i had some sort of strategy in place and that's what made me think back to the sponsored 5ks that i've done where i've actually had this project to raise money for a particular cause and I had people bought in and it was very public and I felt accountable. And then I've never backed out. So by identifying those exceptions, I was able to come up with a plan where I'd, I'd actually be physically fit um, by February, basically. So this is how it works. I mean, one of the examples, I think it was in the book or it might have been in one of the many things I've read since. Um, because I've been reading up on this loads. I've even ordered a load of books on the topic. And for instance, you, you, you've got a case where somebody might feel really depressed, so depressed that um, they kind of harm themselves twice a week. Well, there's two ways to look at that. One, you can focus in on the problem that they've cut themselves on two different occasions. But the other thing is for all of the time of that week, Apart from those two occasions, this person has had the resources, despite feeling down in the dumps, not to take that action. So again, it's about looking at those exceptions and trying to harness those resources that have led them to not harm themselves for like virtually all of the time and do more of those things. So, I mean, that's just one element of it, but I find it really, really interesting because it feels like all of my theoretical misgivings and power relationship misgivings around this kind of process and the idea that we come in with expertise and the the the, the client doesn't you know and I, I know i'm caricaturing slightly here but that idea that you know there's 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 certainly a strand of therapy that has the therapist as some sort of wizard and what this approach does really, it fits in so closely to my philosophical um, attitude to this. And so I'm investigating this very, very heavily because what happens here is that it's really all about the client. It's really about their resources and our expertise then changes from being the wizard who knows how to fix you to instead being the person who has an expertise of providing a process that allows you to see the solutions for yourself and it's very solution focused in that and I think it's really interesting it's interesting as well the I remember asking a question four years ago of my tutor of what what seeing as if we're always going back into childhood and and what's your relationship with your parents and all that sort of stuff what would happen if a man with amnesia came into therapy so couldn't couldn't remember any of his child, but was was presenting with some problems that was affecting his happiness. How would we be able to help us and, but sorry, be able to help that person? And I never really got a satisfactory answer to that. 
But you get a satisfactory answer if you start focusing on the solutions rather than getting too engaged in the problem and the whys and the wherefores. You can actually find out what resources that that, that person is harnessing at the moment and has at the moment and start looking at potential solutions. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited because it's ensured already that I've had an awful lot of change in my life just within that one day. And I think that's what it is. It's It was um, it was brought in to, tr- to try and do brief therapy as well. You know, when I see someone who's, you know, a psychotherapist, so that client's been with me now for 17 years. And I'm always like, really? <laughs> Might that mean that it's not working, you know? Um, yeah, so... So I've been reading a lot about that and I've ordered myself a little library of books to dig into it some more. Um, But it's led me to the running thing. That's why I'm running the 5K and a whole load of other little changes as well. So I've I've booked into a yoga session. (laughs) Um, I don't know how well I'll do. I've only done yoga twice before. I went with my friends Gabby and Pete. They persuaded me to come along and I was all right on the first one. And then on the second one, he just explained things too fast for me. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, but I'm going again. I'm going to go. Oh, I can't remember the day. It might be Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. I'm going to go and do a yoga thing. And they've said it's all right for beginners. So I'm hoping it's going to be an hour and a half, though. <laughs> I don't know what state I'll be in. Um, I don't know whether I'll be able to do it. I've got quite weak wrists, you know. I've noticed this. If I try and put pressure on my my wrists, I don't know what causes that, but they they, they do seem quite kind of uh, <laughs> kind of on the weakling side. So um, that'll be interesting. Um, what else is going on? Oh, I did some non-violent communication, connecting communication, as I did it with um, a load of third-year students. Um, studying sociology at John Moores University, so I did that on Monday. That was really interesting, and it's always um, it's always good when you can kind of feel the light bulb movement, the light bulb, the light bulb moment rather in the room. Um, and if if anyone's interested in learning more about that, Microsoft have recently instituted it. It's it's had an awful lot of um, press, like in the business press, because they were notorious for their infight, and they get this new chief executive. And the first thing he does is brings in non-violent communication, or as I call it, connecting communication. So if you're interested in that and would like me to come and do a like a free pilot workshop for you, get in touch and I'll uh, I'll pop on over and do it for you. And um, yeah, I've also been doing some coaching as well. But the interesting thing is during that coaching session, I was able to bring in some of these ideas that I've been reading around solution-focused practice, and it didn't half help. There were some things where I know we would have got into a bit of a swamp, um, you know, a bit of a swamp of kind of muddiness and, oh, this is really problematic and this feels overwhelming. And very, very quickly, um, through the question I asked because of my reading of, of these ideas, we got through to some really exciting stuff like click of the fingers. So uh, it's good to see that that's worked on me and it also helped the coaching session that I, I've been doing this week as well. So um, I've been babbling on now for 35 minutes, would you believe? A bit more serious than last week, don't you think? I was quite giddy last week. I'm, I'm more cerebral um, this week. Although my improv troupe did great on Friday. We had a rehearsal and we're focused on kind of 
developing story on the fly. And so I've developed this kind of story structure for us to go by. So the actors know exactly what the purpose of that scene is. And then we're free to play in there. And the idea is that we can do improv with drama. And so we've been doing these dramatic stories but we did actually do our first comedy drama, um, which was a lot of fun. It was about a, 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 a window cleaning duo called Mavis and Henry. And um, Mavis Mavis just wanted more excitement and adventure in her life, you know, than, than cleaning windows. And, and Henry um, was a bit thick, really. You know, Henry, <laughs> Henry was a bit of a fool. And Mavis wasn't much better, but she was better than him. And, um, you know, a little bit smarter than him, but still a, still a, a double act, basically. And it worked really, really well. And so I was really pleased with the, the work that we did at uh, our improv session. Um, yeah, so w- what's coming up? I'm going to watch the um, I'm going to watch the Watford West Ham game this afternoon. I, I, I kind of I lose interest in football and then a narrative suggests itself. So the interesting thing about Watford and West Ham is that the former Everton manager, um, David Moyes, is has just taken over West Ham. So this is going to be his very first game. They're struggling near the foot of the table. And there was like rumours that he might go back to Everton because Everton haven't got a manager at the moment. They sacked theirs. Um Weeks ago, really, you'd have thought they'd have had a plan. <clears throat> so there was rumours that Moyes, who'd been very successful at Everton, but has been an absolute flop since, might actually go back, and Evertonians weren't that keen on that. So he's gone to West Ham anyway, at least until the end of the season. But the person that they do want um, is the Watford manager, Marco Silva. I have to say, Marco Silva, I don't know why he gets all this praise. He's... He didn't save Hull City from relegation. He's conceding two goals a game. I don't really get why everyone seems to be so in awe of this guy, but he's kind of like the next big thing, according to everybody. He's done well abroad, mind you, but in English football, he's he's basically consistently conceded two goals a game, even where he's quite high up the table at Watford. So uh, we've got the manager that, that you... We've got David Moyes the former Everton manager who Everton ended up not actually getting. And we've got potentially the future Everton manager, or certainly the one that Everton Football Club seem to want. And they're against each other. And the the added twist is Everton are also struggling near the foot of the table. And so David Moyes could potentially, if he gets West Ham sorted out, leapfrog over Everton, you know, in, in a few games' time. And then you've got this potential narrative where the manager that they decided not to go back to, might, whose kind of biggest success was at Everton, might actually end up being the manager by making West Ham good. Might be the manager who gets them relegated. So I'm really interested to see how that game plays out. You know, most of the time I think, eh, with football. But there's there's little narratives that, that develop within the game and that's what kind of... What, that's what kind of gets me interested. And uh, good to see Liverpool won 3-0 yesterday as well so that that's me little footy talk <laughs> um and i think that's pretty much it a couple of things coming up next week that you might be interested in um on tuesday and wednesday at 81 renshaw street there's a, a comedy play on and uh, it's called we apologize for the inconvenience now if you're a sci-fi freak uh, or a comedy fan get along to that it's actually about the um 
the famous problem that Douglas Adams, the writer of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, had these tremendous writer's block problems. And we apologise for the inconvenience is about that. So if you're a Douglas Adams fan, if you're a Hitchhiker's fan, if you like your sci-fi and you love your comedy, then get along to that. It's at 81 Renshaw Street. I think you might have to buy tickets for that. So have a little Google around. We apologise for the inconvenience. It's been directed by... Emma Baird, who, um, who's directed a load of things, is an award-winning director uh, at the Page to Stage Festival, and um, yeah, runs Liverpool Comedy Improv. So, specialist in comedy, really. So, that's going to be a good night. So, I'm going to go along to one of those. So, that's on Tuesday and Wednesday. And on Sunday, also 81 Renshaw Street, um, my mates Les Glover and Henry Priestman of uh, the Christian's fame, he, he wrote um, Ideal World and Forgotten Town. Um, they're releasing their first, their first album together. You know, Henry's done a load of albums, Les has done an album, and they're, they're doing one, I think it's called Six of One and Half a Dozen of the Other, um, which is the amount of songs that each, each wrote, I think, from the album. I don't know, I don't know why they called it that, but that's my guess. So, And it's, it's an afternoon gig, which is a good idea. I like the idea of a nice afternoon gig on a Sunday afternoon I don't think there's many tickets left if any but um, check out where they're playing as well and I think that's uh, I think that's me done except I'll tell you this how bourgeois is this I've gone and hired a cleaner you're judging me now aren't you (laughs) but when I was doing this stuff right where I was thinking back to exceptions about because I'd I'd like to live in in a house that's cleaner than it has been um, and I, I just know I'm not going to do it myself. You know, I've got so many things on the go. It never bubble sorts its way up. That's an old programmer's term there. <laughs> it never bubble sorts its way up to, um, you know, to, to, to being something I actually do. And so when I was looking for exceptions to, to where the problem happens, it's really only when I get help um, or I'll do like a one-off thing and it, it never stays consistent. So I thought, right, okay. I'm actually going to get a cleaner. So I I phoned up one cleaner that had been recommended, this like cleaning company, and they said they weren't taking bookings. So I was like, oh no, that's what I just kind of set my heart on this place. And then I phoned up immediately afterwards another one, did a quick little bit of research, phoned another one and said, you know, I wonder if you could help me. I don't have a cleaner. I'd like to have one. (laughs) I wonder if you could... um, you could provide a cleaner for me. And the, the woman on the other end said, well, no, we certainly couldn't be providing a cleaner for you. And she said it like that. We certainly couldn't be providing a cleaner for you. And I was like, oh, 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 oh okay. And I was thinking I'd just been, you know, having been rejected just a moment beforehand, I thought, I thought there was something wrong with me that people just didn't want to, maybe they'd heard. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'd heard I live like <laughs> like Steptoe <laughs> so maybe they'd heard it the word had gone round and I was like oh and I was about to put the phone down and then I, I got this I got this wave of indignation and I went why, why not and she said I wouldn't send a clean around to you with you being me cousin and it was our Trisha it was me cousin and I'd forgotten she runs a she runs a cleaning company of her own, so I could have gone there in the first instance. So, um, yeah, she's she's sought me out. Uh, just every fortnight, you know, a little reset button just to keep me on top of things. Um, so that's a little experiment of mine. Um, but, yeah, 
I think my cleaner really should be redesignated as a mental health worker because I feel much better when everything's done. You know, when you get the house clean and everything feels lovely and, you know, I, I come down from, <laughs> I come downstairs in the morning, and I'll open doors and forget that I've, I've made it all lovely and clean and it, it gives you a little boost, doesn't it? So I think that's, uh, I think that's something that's going to change my life. So we'll see how that goes. A little experiment there. And that's all from me. So I'll, uh, I'll see you next Sunday. I'll just check. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing that means I won't be seeing you next Sunday. I'll be back in training again for this uh, 5K. Um, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be back next Sunday. I'll do the podcast before I go and see uh, Les and Henry. And uh, in the meantime, remember, if you want the book, go to parrysongs.co.uk forward slash book. <laughs> Or if you wanna, if you wanna give one in the eye to the Daily Mail and send a big welcome to to immigrants and asylum seekers and refugees, then go to parrysongs.co.uk forward slash five k and you'll get the details of how to uh, how to force me to run down a round a field all red face and panting. So uh, apart from that, oh, apart from that, I've actually got a reader's uh, a reader's a listener's message. And it's from my old mate, Bill Ball. Bill Ball often gets in touch. I love it when you get in touch, you know. Um, yeah, drop me a line. Let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't. You can uh, just write to me. You know, I'm at al at parrysongs.co.uk. Or you could go onto the website where the podcast uh, lives. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well, or, or Stitcher, is it called? You know, wherever you can get your podcasts from. You can you can subscribe there. Um, well, let's see. Yeah, because I finished off, didn't I, with um, with the Desi Warren song. Last time was my song of the week. Um, let's see what Bill says. Beautiful closing song today. Well, thanks for that, Bill. He says, hope you'll soon be back on the road and playing again. Yeah, me too. Do you know, not being able to sing properly. It's a real downer because whenever I'm down in the dumps, picking up the guitar and just letting a song float out really helps me. So it's been a bit of a struggle without that. Um, and he says, best wishes for a full and speedy recovery. Well, I'll let you know how the speech level singing goes. I'll be reading more of that book um, throughout the week. He also says, incidentally, this is, a, this is a good tip, but a bit of a drastic one. But I think you're right here, Bill. Incidentally, the best way to rid yourself of clutter is to move house. When you're putting your life into packing cases, you begin to realise what's important and what you can jettison. So good advice there. If anyone else has got clutter, just put the house up for sale. <laughs> Find yourself another one and off you go. It works. It works. So that's all from me. I'm going to leave you now with... Uh, well, you know what's coming next, don't you? It's the song of the week and I don't know what it is yet. It's randomly generated. So enjoy it and... Taxi bye! The look on his face when I told him I was with child. He wept and embraced me, and through all the tears, he smiled. Amidst all this suffering and war for my dear, he said, This is a beacon to shine through the fear. This child is our hope, this baby is our Esperanza With one final kiss, he 
took himself back to the war Though a fascist of battle and Franco to be shown the door But the war took his life like a sinister thief The words I clung on to through all of my grief This child is my hope, this baby is my Esperanza I call you Corinna, my own Esperanza But the nuns told me all hope I'd die They gave me a mascot and told me to pray hard But the nuns and the priests, they all lied My hope had not died, she'd been stolen away by the church And sold to a rich fascist family as if she was hers And the grave I attended through all of my days Is an empty old plot where nobody lays What became of my hope? Where are you, my sweet Esperanza? My Carino was not dead, not 300,000 more It's stolen away from sinners like me Whose sin was to be young and poor What of your priests and your bishops and nuns The bandits who trafficked and stole each Esperanza is a stain on your soul I call you Carinha, my own Esperanza But the nuns told me all hope I'd die They gave me a mascot told me to pray hard but the nuns and the priests they all lie